Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you are doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. Now, we have gotten through opening week, and all that means is that we have plenty and plenty and plenty of baseball to go around. We have baseball every single day of the week, and I love it. I have watched a baseball game, at least uh, in portions, every every day since April 1st, and I plan on doing that. That is my resolution, to watch uh, one, at least one game every single day. Don't have to watch the whole thing, but I'm going to watch as much as I can because you never know when it's going to be gone again. Now, I'm not trying to throw that out there in the universe. The baseball is here to stay. I really do hope so. Uh, I don't I don't ever want it to go away ever again. Uh, that was just terrible. Just thinking back on it, uh, we're a little bit over a, over a year as to when uh, sports uh, stopped, right? It was at the beginning of March, mid-March. And, uh, and we had to wait a while to get sports back and even then. But why I'm so excited is that it's it's the home opener for the Giants today. It's, it's the home opener, uh, recording this on Friday morning, home opener for the San Francisco Giants. I am not going to the game, um, but I will be out there soon. I will be out there soon. I plan on going to some Oakland A's games um, as soon as they get back from their road trip. I, I'm just trying to go and see as much baseball as I can. Uh, I didn't make it out there for the, for the A's-Dodgers series, and... By, by the way, I mean, talking about storylines of the uh, the the MLB season, the young MLB season, what the hell is going on in Oakland? Like, like they, they have one win right now. Um, I was I was talking with my uncle and and he he does not he despises the A's. He does not like the A's. He's not as compassionate as I am. Um, and I and, you know, we were talking about, all right, how many how many wins are they possibly going to get? I gave him six, and my uncle was just like, "Where, where, where, where do you see six? I was like, "I was like, damn, chill, bro. Like, 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 relax. They can win six games. Like, they have, uh, they have Detroit coming up. They have Baltimore at the end of the at the end of the schedule. They they have a, a little two game series in the desert uh, with the Diamondbacks. They can get six wins before the end of the month. Come on, man. Don't be that much of a hater. Uh, but but again, I wasn't around to to see the A's." Uh, defeat the Giants in the World Series, so may- maybe that's why uh, you know I don't I don't hold uh, that you know that hatred towards the Oakland Athletics. I I, I pick my battles, you know. What I mean, I I, uh, I have to I have to plan out my energy. I, I can't go hating everybody. So uh, yeah, my uncle he 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 has that all down uh, for the Oakland A's. But yeah, they've only won one game. Is that a little bit concerning? I mean, we're not going to be talking about Oakland A's um, on this podcast, but possibly next week we'll uh, we'll get in with some uh, some beat writers for Oakland. But I don't know what's going on there. Um, they just haven't been able to. Their, their starting pitching has been bad. Their bullpen hasn't been that great. Their offense is is uh, sputtering. Like I, I, everything's wrong at this moment in time. Everything is wrong with that team. Again, like I said, they've only won one game. Um, and who, who was it that they beat? I think, I, who, who was it? I want to say that they beat, uh, did they beat the, 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 no, they beat the, the Dodgers. They beat the Dodgers of all teams. They beat the, <laughs> they beat the Dodgers. Um, and, and that was it. That was it. So it's going to be really interesting what happens there, but a lot of storylines, you, you, you just have to look for it, right? You just have to look all around. Hell, if you want to stay in the AL West, uh, the Astros have been, um, 
you know, putting people on notice, but the fans are just getting out of control now. Like, like Angels, the Angels Stadium, we were talking uh, last week about the Angels and and what they could possibly, um, what, what they could possibly do to, uh, to you know, to, to, you know, troll them. What, what song choices, remember when we were talking uh, last week with, Jeff Fletcher, uh, beat writer for the for the L.A. Angels, we, we were talking about yeah, you know, how, how do you expect the fans to be? Well, I th- I think Jeff kind of undershot it because they were throwing <laughs> they were throwing trash cans, inflatable trash cans, and real trash cans onto the field. Uh, it, it was crazy. I was like, what are they doing? Like they had they had legit trash cans. I don't know how they got them into the stadium. I don't know where they grabbed them from. But there was this guy in the bleachers that had a legit trash can like a legit trash can that you see at like elementary schools you know you know those little plastic ones that have the uh the big opening on the on the side but it's covered on the top you know what i'm talking about those plastic ones the traditional looking i guess trash cans the where did he grab that from? <laughs> like, like he just go down, uh, down the steps, or, or you know, wherever the concourse is at the at the Angels ballpark, he just grabbed it and started banging on it. Like, did he bring it in from the from the parking lot? Like, how, how did that happen? Uh, what's going on, security? What's going on over there in Los Angeles? But yes, there was trash cans on the field, inflatable blow up trash cans were thrown on the field as well. Uh, the Astros, I I don't know how long this is going to continue. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how long, uh, we, how long do you expect this to go on? I mean, is this going to be a every week or every day that they are on the road? Like, are people going to get tired of it to where they're just like, ah, okay, well we, we, uh, we, we, we gave it to them last time. We'll, we'll, we'll dial it back. Like, I don't, I don't think people are going to do that, but are they just going to be exhausted? Um, because it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of manpower to have to, to have to, you know, orchestrate that much hate. Like I said, my, my uncle, he puts way too much energy into hating the, the, the A's. Uh, <laughs> he needs to focus that, that energy elsewhere. Um, but for sure, I mean, this week, because they're on a homestand, the Astros aren't going to be getting that at home. But, I mean, do they get it in Seattle? Do they get it in Colorado? Like, Seattle maybe, Colorado? I don't know. Do, do, are Colorado fans like that? I, I really don't. I really don't know, but but it's a it's a storyline for sure to follow uh, going into uh, the the coming weeks of the MLB season uh, for the rest of the rest of the year. I mean, um, but talking about Colorado, that's a that's another storyline. I mean, we got storylines all over the place. We got the Astros. Uh, definitely, we have Trevor Bauer, which I'm going to get into um, here in a sec, and, and I'm going to ask um, our 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 guest Derek Togerson. Again, of NBC San Diego, co-host of On Fryer Podcast. He's going to come on and talk Fernando Tatis Jr. Because that is another um, that is another storyline that's going on uh, with Fernando Tatis Jr. A big injury on Monday night against the San Francisco Giants. We got to see what's going on with with, uh, with Derek. We got to see what's going on with the Padres. So we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about Trevor Bauer as well. Um, but before we get into all that, we, we have Coors Field um, being named the host city or host ballpark for the All-Star game. And, I mean, it's great. It's great. It got moved out of Atlanta. Um, again, we talked about that last podcast. It got moved out of Atlanta due to the, uh, the the voter restrictions that are going on in the state of Georgia. So they move it out of Atlanta into Coors Field. 
I don't remember if there was ever a, a All-Star game in Coors Field. I, you guys are going to have to fact check me on that. I, I want to say there maybe was, like in the early 2000s, but I, I highly don't I, I don't remember, uh, to be honest. But it's going to be fun to, to watch the All-Star game at Coors Field. Coors Field looks like a, a nice stadium. I mean, they got that backdrop of the Rockies um, be, behind the stadium. It just looks nice. I've never been there. I'd, I'd like to go there. Um, but the thing that I'm excited about is, is the damn home run derby. Like you, you, you get uh you you get Vlad Jr. in Colorado. Did you see the rockets that he was hitting uh, <laughs> two years ago in the home run derby? My God, you 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 imagine getting him in Colorado? That thing's gonna soar like <laughs> it's gonna go like six hundred feet. It's gonna be crazy. So I'm ready for that. Uh, Coors Field again gets the All Star game. So that's another storyline that that has happened. Um, early on in this season. Really, you can find a story anywhere you look. There's a lot of baseball going on. Uh, but the bigger ones, the the ones that having the more the most the most traction, I would say, is Trevor Bauer and obviously Tr- Fernando Tatis Jr. We'll get into Tatis Jr. when we talk to Derek Togerson of NBC uh, San Diego. And we we will get into all of that. Um, what's going on with Fernando Tatis Jr. But here we're we're going to talk about Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer uh, story released yesterday from from Ken Rosenthal that the MLB is uh, conducting investigation on several balls that were removed from a Trevor Bauer start. Now, why is this alarm? You know, why why is this setting off alarms to uh, to baseball fans, right? It's, you know, the the reason why it's so intriguing that it's Trevor Bauer, one, is because this guy is vocal as hell and he has already uh, made his displeasure for Ken, Ken Rosenthal. Call him a gossip reporter. Come on, bro. Ken, Ken Rosenthal, uh, he, he, he has a lot more credibility as, as a gossip reporter. Um, but anyways, that, that's besides the point, but Trevor Bauer, he's, he's speaking out on this. He's like, Hey, well, you know, they're doing it around, uh, baseball. I don't know why I'm being uh, singled out in this story, blah, blah, blah. But the, the reason why it's so intriguing is we've talked about it with, uh, Bill Plunkett. We've talked about it with, um, Justin Hughes. I mean, we've mentioned on the podcast, if you have been following, we have mentioned the fact that the spin rate. For Trevor Bauer, skyrocketed last year. And there was speculation as to, all right, Trevor Bauer figured something out. He's using something. Not necessarily anything illegal, but it's just he's using something, whether it be pine tar, whether, you know, whatever it is to get more grip on those seams to get the spin rate to be higher. Because his spin rate on not only his fastball, on every single one of his pitches was elevated last year, and he won a Cy Young, and he got paid. So he benefited quite a bit from whatever he figured out, and you take into context what we talked about on the podcast before, you take into context what he has said in the past where, oh, yeah, the Astros, they figured something out over there, and I'm close to figuring it out too. Like, And I'm not quote, like quoting this guy word for word, but that was a, a synopsis of what he was saying was that, I know that the Astros are doing something and I'm figuring it out also. And then all of a sudden his spin rate just skyrockets. It's the highest in, in, in baseball and anything uh, that he's had in the past. So then you have that 
putting his foot in his mouth. And then you have the new uh, regulation that baseball is saying, like, hey, well, we're going to take balls out at random um, and test them for substances. So I guess these balls that were taken out of play, they had some type of sticky substance on it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just reporting uh, what I've read on the internet, but and and by the internet I mean Ken Rosenthal on the Athletic. So I mean that that's a very uh, credible source, if you ask me. I'm not just googling. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not just looking on, on online because yeah, we should believe everything that's online, right? But this is a credible source. It's Ken Rosenthal. So. With all that being said, it's interesting that it's Trevor Bauer because he is one of the more vocal guys out there in the league. And possibly MLB is trying to make him the poster child, make him the uh the, the you know the the uh, the example. Make an example of Trevor Bauer. Being that he's so vocal, people are gonna know about it. He's going to broadcast it his damn self. It's not going to be hidden. So it's really interesting to uh, to see that that Trevor Bauer has been chosen. He's the chosen one uh, for these trials to to commence. But again, how do they how do they figure this out? How do they know that he did it? How do they know that the you know it didn't come from somewhere on the bat? What, what how do they know that it's applied? purposely for Trevor Bauer. I mean, again, common sense, but how do they prove it? Because again, if you're looking at this in in a criminal case, you know, and it says in a criminal case, it's baseball. But what I'm saying is if you're looking at this and you want to give them, you know, a fair trial, so to speak, you got to prove beyond the reasonable doubt that Trevor Bauer did in fact do this. So how do they do that? And what are the penalties? What are they planning on doing uh, with if if there is an investigation that finds that Trevor Bauer's balls did have something sticky on it? I know, I know that sounded terrible. His baseballs, his baseballs. Come on, get get your minds out of the gutter, people. Come on, what's going on? But but anyway, you know what I'm saying. So it's going to be really interesting to follow this story. Um, I know it's going to be a topic of conversation. So I'm going to ask um, our our guest coming up next, Derek. Hogerson, going to ask him what his thoughts are on the Trevor Bauer situation. But the more pressing situation is in San Diego with Fernando Tatis Jr., with his injury and what the deal is moving forward in San Diego. So coming up next, Derek Togerson of NBC San Diego and co-host of On Friar Podcast is going to talk Padres. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is Walter for Passion for the Pastime, and we are talking San Diego Padres baseball. And with me on the podcast today, I am talking with Derek Togerson uh, of NBC San Diego, co-host of On Friar Podcast. And it's uh, a, a nice play on words because uh, I, I had to practice saying On Friar because I literally almost said On Fire. How you doing, Derek? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's a little bit of a chilly morning up here in Northern California. Um, I don't you know. You don't say. <laughs> that never happens there. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty chilly right now. Uh, a little bit of a of a hazy fog. You know, it's it's it's, it's a normal day in uh, in April right now. How you doing in in San Diego? Well, the marine layer is in here. It's about 62 degrees, and so we expect this to be gone right around 11 o'clock, and then we get our typical 74 and beautiful. 
Oh, that's that's amazing. I, I envy you. I envy you right now. Um, but man, uh, San Diego has a uh, a lot of uncertainty. I guess is the is the question of that or, or the the word is that what you want to call it right now? With Fernando Tatis, they had a big uh, injury that happened last uh, on Monday, um, devastating injury. But it came out as it wasn't as bad as anticipated we'll get into all of that we have a lot to talk about um on the Padres front but a, a main competitor for the Padres is the Dodgers and uh yesterday uh, a story released on Ken Rosenthal pretty much um bringing to light that there's an investigation going on with multiple baseballs uh that were pulled from specifically Trevor Bauer and I know it's going around um all all around baseball, right? But it was specifically focused on Trevor Bauer because uh, last year was his best year of his spin rate, right? And um, he's, he kind of, Trevor Bauer, that is, he kind of dove into, um, you know, playing with the the media on social media and, and pretty much saying, oh, I figured out something and something that the Astros were doing, <laughs> you know, that kind of kind of put a foot in his own mouth. But what's your take on the whole situation with Trevor Bauer um, being investigated with with the substance, the new substance rule? This whole thing came out with, you know, the, the Angels clubhouse assistant and Garrett Cole was asking about it. And baseball players and pitchers have always used something. I mean, it's, it's rosin, it's pine tar. They've always put something on the baseball. I think there's being more overt about it now because Major League Baseball has had such a problem switching, switching everything to offense, right? They've, we don't know why the ball is creating less drag. We just want to create a lot of home runs. So the pitchers, I think, were more or less like, listen, if they're going to keep making these baseballs that are juiced up, which we saw in that 2017 World Series, we're going to we're going to start fighting back. So we're going to start putting stuff on here and start getting more spin rate and getting more you know getting more tilt on our sliders. So I think this is a maybe an underhanded backlash from a variety of pitchers. Now Trevor Bauer is going to probably become the poster child for this because he is so outspoken and because he is so polarizing. And I'm actually shocked at this point he's not doing press conferences with his Twitter handle on a special hat. Because he is a shameless self-promoter. And, you know, God bless him. You know, if, if, he has, if he wants to do that and have that kind of a personality and get himself out there, get his brand out there, I have no problem with that. This is America, capitalism. You know, go, go find your cash. Get yourself out there whoever you want to. I don't think a whole lot's going to come of it, at least now, because it's one of those situations where, like, everybody's doing it. It's just what degree is everybody doing it to? So then we'll have an over-adjustment, and then baseball is eventually going to have to find a way to say, all right, everybody, you can't do this. You can't have this substone there. You can't have this. You can't have that substone there. Give us a set of rules, and then we can all kind of get, get back to a baseline, and it'll be easier to catch people who are going beyond those boundaries as well. I don't think Trevor Bauer's doing anything that anybody else is not doing. Maybe he's just doing it to a slightly higher degree. But nothing's going to come of it this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the follow-up is on the investigation and after the findings, right? Because well, how, do, how do they go about – because how do they even prove that Trevor Bauer was the one if, if, if in fact, uh, there was a, a type of substance on the baseballs that were removed and being investigated? How do they prove that it was Trevor Bauer and not – someone else that put it on there or you, you know what I mean? So it's like, right, it, you, you really can't, you yeah. know, unless, unless you get a piece of his equipment, like you, right. you get his hat and it's got it on there. You grab, 
you get his pants from that game that haven't been washed and there's something in, in the pocket that he was getting. It, probably, it could be coming from the catcher. I don't know if Will Smith or Austin Barnes was behind a plate that game, but it could be coming from the catcher. It could be, com- it could be coming from any number of players. It, when there's a, a play at first base, you know, and they're throwing the ball around, be, Justin Turner can reach into his pocket and rub something on there before he hands the ball back to back. Who knows where it comes from? Right, right. Yeah, so that's going to be very interesting. And then as far as uh, if there are any punishments that move forward, right? Because as you said, it kind of seems like this is the perfect person, uh, perfect player for MLB to target. I'm not saying that they're initially, you know, just firing after uh, Trevor Bauer right now, but um, it would make sense because he's been the person that has been more vocal about it. And uh, if they were to go out and give him a, a suspension, what what, w- what would a suspension uh, look like if they want to, you know, dial it back and make it known like, hey, if you do this, you're going to do some time. What, what would be a serious, um, you know, t- type of suspension for, for a Bauer or any pitcher that does this? Well, who knows? Because they don't have rules in place for this, right? Right. right. They don't. I mean, you talk about a, a steroid test. We know what the penalty is. You know, fifty games, hundred games. You know, a full season. We we know what the penalty is because it's written in the rules and it's been collectively bargained. You know how strong baseball's union is. If there is not a specific rule saying if you do this, you get this, then baseball is kind of in no man's land where they can't do a whole lot about it because they're going to say, oh, we caught him doing this. That technically go back to you know the Gaylord Perry rule, or whatever. It's completely outdated. Nobody actually knows what it says anyway. So we're going 15 games, and then the Leah and the uh, union comes in and says, "No, that's too much." Now we're going to have a problem with our next TBA. So what what can baseball do right now? That's why I'm saying is nothing's going to happen this year because they're going to have to go through, get a bunch of data, do their investigation, say, "Listen, we found all of this. This has gone completely out of hand." Hey, Tony Clark. Let's sit down and talk about this and put a set of rules in place, and then we'll have our parameters moving forward. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very interesting story to, to keep following this year for sure um, and, and beyond. I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting, especially with Trevor Bauer, because we know that we're going to know uh, every step of the process as they go after Bauer. You know it's going to be out there on Twitter. So uh, sh- shout out to, to Bauer Outage on, on, on Twitter. <laughs> have to follow that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be buzzing for the next, uh, next couple, of, couple of months for sure uh, as the investigation is ongoing, right? So uh, enough with Trevor Bauer, enough with the Dodgers. I know the Padres, you, you hear about it all the time uh, up here in Northern California, the Giants. I mean, yeah, the Dodgers are what everyone's talking about. But the big story of the week, it's not about the Dodgers. It's not, I mean, Trevor Bauer, it's a big story. But the big one down there uh, in San Diego is Fernando Tatis Jr. And he came out of the game on Monday. I was uh, watching the game, and it, it did not look good. I mean, w- were you in attendance for that game? Were you were you watching it on TV? How how did you see this uh, situation play out? Yeah, my wife and I were at the game. Yeah, we uh, were uh, season ticket holders, so we were down. We were there watching it as it happened live at Petco Park. It was almost like you, you you saw something that you go, oh no! Like you, we know this is bad, and then you just start going. I please tell me this is not the worst case scenario because Fernando Tatis Jr. You got to understand what this guy means already to the San Diego Padres fan base. He's already on a level, and I'm, I don't use these names lightly. He's on a level of love that Trevor Hoffman has achieved 
and he's rapidly approaching Tony Gwynn's status and how much he means to the fan base because he has shown so much love to this fan base. When he signed the contract, he said, I don't want opt-outs. I want to stay in San Diego for 14 years. I want to win championships here. I love this city. I love this fan base. He is, he's like all of our, uh, like, I'm 45. He's like my extra kid. You know, he's, he's like, you know, my wife's little brother, you know, it's, it's like they, they, he's loved like it. He doesn't have to pay for a meal in San Diego ever again. That's how much this man is loved here. So forget about the talent and, and what he brings to the team. Just to see a guy that we love like that hurting, that was the first thing. And then you start thinking, okay. And what's interesting, and my wife actually um, uh, confirmed this, because I've subluxated my shoulder as well. And when I saw that swing, I'm like, oh, God, he, he subluxated it. And sure enough, that's, that's what it was. And you just know. And then you know what – I'll go into a quick uh, medical diagnosis here, just in very layman, uh, layman's terms. Then you're worried about a whole bunch of stuff because the shoulder is a ball and socket joint, and the labrum is what holds the ball and socket joint. It's a big disc that holds everything in. When that thing gets compromised, that's when the shoulder can't stay in. That's when it comes in and pops back out. So subluxation is basically a partial and temporary dislocation. So – when that pumps in and out, the labrum is compromised and it very likely tears. And it can be a severe tear. It can be a very slight tear. The rotator cuff, which is right on top of that, that can also tear. And then, God forbid, if the shoulder pops in and pops out, the actual bone, that can chip. That's actually what happened to both Bo Jackson and Tua Tagovailoa. can't believe it's mentioned an Auburn and Alabama player in the same sentence. But when their hips subluxated, they popped out and then came back in with such force, they, they shattered the pelvic bone. That's the most devastating part of this. Luckily, none of that bad stuff happened with Tatis. It was a, they're, what they're saying is, and again, the Padres and A.J. Preller, and I, and I know them fairly well, they hedged their bets very well on this kind of stuff, said there's very little tearing around the labrum. It's just straining. So we're not going to opt for surgery right now. And that was the best thing we all possibly could have heard. So that, that was nice to know that it was, of all the nasty things that can happen, that's the one that did happen. And then we all start thinking about Alberto Mondesi, the Royal shortstop. Uh, a couple of years ago, he subluxated his shoulder. He was back in six weeks. He hasn't had problems since. So that's what we're all hoping for. But we're pretty sure that given the fact that Tatis has had shoulder soreness and this kind of thing ever since rookie ball, as he told us, it, there's something else in there. And surgery is going to happen at some point. It's inevitable at some point in his career. They're just hoping they can get him through this season and get into the offseason and then have the surgery and have them ready to go for 2022 and beyond. Is that thinking optimistically? I mean, you have to think best case scenario, right? And and that he can get through this season, um, not have to do surgery yet, do it in the off season. But is is that hurting him uh, any any more if they prolong the surgery? Well, most likely not. Uh, again, the problem is once the shoulder subluxates it becomes more prone to doing it again unless you go in and fix up the labrum and tighten it up and let it heal completely. So with treatment and the fact that he is a, a premium athlete, as AJ Preller called him, and his youth is 22 years old, he's going to heal a lot quicker than most people would. So the hope is you, you get him through this and he has no further problems and it doesn't keep popping in and out. And then you can get him to the point where he can um, – he can then have a full season and, and the rest of his career not have to worry about it. So does it increase the risk that he's going to have it happen again this year? Yes, but not to the point that they are 
too worried about it. Um, I mean, I even had an orthopedic surgeon tell me that the first subluxation of a shoulder in this manner is usually not treated surgically. So, again, that's for most of us weekend warriors on an athlete to the extent of Renato Tadis Jr., who swings and plays as violently as he does. But, again, him being the athlete and the, youth and the young guy that he is, they're, they're not too worried about it being a long-term issue. Um, and that's, of course, the first thing you think about when you just committed $340 million to right. somebody over 14 years. What's the long-term prognosis? They are not going to risk that kind of cash uh, commitment on one season, especially not when he's only making a million bucks this year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, they put him on the 10-day IL, right? Is he Correct. expected yeah. to come back realistically from the 10-day? Are they being optimistic there? Like, what, what are you oh, thinking? Well, well, he'll come back from the 10-day injury list, yeah, but it, the question is, will it be after 10 days? Now, interestingly, that also coincides with Friday, April 16th. This is the first day that they play the Dodgers this year. Oh. So, and, and we know there's going to be 19 battles when they play the, the Dodgers this year. So uh, I, I think that's a little ambitious. And remember, the 10-day injury list is just you, you just have to be on, the, on it for 10 days. Then you can be on it for three weeks. You know, whatever it is. So it's it's not the this is the number of days you're on. It's this is the number of days you have to be on. So they're probably thinking. My guess would be probably three weeks um, at, at, on the outside just to make sure that everything's okay and he's and he's dealing with it. But also, this is also the problem and and the beautiful thing about Tatis is he wants to be on the field so much that he he will hide things. Like after spring training, he had a little bit of an issue where he was going to his, the backhand made a throw in the hole and felt something in his shoulder, walked off the field. They didn't play him again the rest of the preseason, uh, except for in some DH roles. And he said, no, I'm fine. I feel great. And then five games in, this happened. So I'm not sure you can fully trust him in being completely honest with how he's feeling physically because he wants to be on the field so badly. We're talking with Derek Togerson of NBC San Diego and co-host of On Friar Podcast. Go ahead, check that out on uh, on Spotify and all platforms. D- Derek, uh, so we're talking about Tatis Jr. And the, the expectation is that he will be back at some point this year to contribute to the Padres. Let's talk worst-case scenario, though. Let's talk worst-case scenario. What happens? What What is plan B if Tatis Jr., comes back the shoulder is continuing to be an issue and he needs to get surgery worst case scenario he's done for the year what would be uh the backup plan for for shortstop and the Padres well the back the backup plan is what's happening right now you got Hostung Kim the kid you signed out of Korea who played mostly uh, shortstop and third base over there very good defensive player it's gonna take him a little bit longer to get the bat up to speed because the KBO is kind of like a high double a low triple a so he, he's able to handle his bat well enough to make a difference has trouble right now with high velocity, especially high velocity, right-handed pitchers. So they'll have to find a way to, to mix him in and get him up. Your runner up rookie of the year. Who's a shortstop by trade. He's been playing second base for him. You also have probably the, the best shortstop on the team is a guy who's playing third base for him right now. And that's Manny Machado. So you can always move him over to short and put somebody else, a third, someone like a Jerickson Profar or uh, Jorge Mateo who are, moving to the outfield because of those super utility pieces. But again, they're infielders by trade. And then you're talking about AJ Preller and you know, he's got the capital in the farm system. You know, he's got the ability to go out and make deals. I have heard rumblings. And of course I would be fully into this too, because I'm everyone's pretty sure at some point the Chicago Cubs are going to have a fire sale. 
not talking about Javier Baez because it'd be too much to get him, but Chris Bryant is a guy you can go out and get. And he's a University of San Diego kid, yeah. won the Golden Spikes Award here. If, if, if you have Tatis gone for the whole year, you could do a lot worse than moving Manny to short, going out and getting Chris Bryant on a one-year rental, and then you get that big right hand back, right back in the middle of your lineup. So there, there are places for AJ to go to fill the hole if he needs to. And then don't forget they have the number eight overall prospect in baseball and C.J. Abrams, who wowed everybody in spring training. So at the age of 20 years old, which is what Fernando Tatis Jr. was when he made his big league debut, you could always try to take a chance and bring that kid up because he is absolutely electric, especially when he gets on the bases with that 80-grade speed. So so what, who do you think is the solution? Like, what, what would be mo, more likely? Would they handle it in-house or would they go out and get a Chris Bryant? Because Chris Bryant actually sounds like it sounds like a good idea. If, if, uh, if you were the GM, I'd be on board with that. Yeah, it's Again, of course, it's going to depend on how much you're going to take to get him. Although, then in the deal they just swung to get you Darvish and Victor Caratini, it didn't take a whole heck of a lot. So, I'm not sure if the Cubs are thinking we just got to recoup something here because we know we can't re sign Bryant. I think they'll all give him the qualifying offer and he'll say no and go to free agency and they'll get the compensatory round pick at the end of the first round. And so, that, that's a nice way to go. But they probably want to get somebody a little more established and not go directly to we got to take a draft pick and then get him in four or five years and put him through the system. So my guess is they try to handle it internally first. And then if that's not working and they just, the solution is just not there, then they would look to go and, uh, out and make a deal and bring somebody else in. And then shoot, knowing AJ, he's probably kicked the tires on bringing in Trevor Story, although the Rockies typically don't trade in the division. But he, he would think that's far outside the box. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, hopefully we're talking worst case scenario, right? So hopefully Tatis is is able to go for the rest of the year. But um, but yeah, when that injury happened, it it, uh, it had to be a a a punch to the gut uh, for Padre fans. Just like you know, back in 2011 when uh, when the Giants lost Buster Posey. I mean, the I was at that game and the uh, the energy was just sucked out of the crowd. Like, I, I could almost imagine uh, what it was for Fernando Tatis because he means so much uh, to that Padres lineup, to that Padres organization. Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, it was it was weird because after that, in the stadium, it, it was a close game. It was a good game. And even when you know, the Padres getting close to scores, people were like, can, can, we, can we cheer? Is this okay? Like, can, <laughs> is, is it, we're worried about our is – it, is it disrespectful? Like, when can we show emotion again because we don't know what's wrong with our guy? It was, it was really, really just an, an odd Paul passed over the ballpark. And then, you know, just, just really stressful for the next 24 hours. Yeah, I was going to say, that was like the longest 24 hours uh, in Padres history, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was sitting here waiting for a diagnosis when he was going to get a, uh, a MRI, and I was like, oh, is it in the morning? Like, And we didn't get anything uh, until like late afternoon, and it was it was long. Like, It felt like it was way longer than 24 hours. Right, and, and this is what's cool. I mean, hearing that from someone up in, up in the Bay Area, uh, this, this is one of those guys, and the Padres have never had a transcendent talent somebody who's an international star and they've got one now. I mean, you guys talk about him in the Bay area. He's talked about in Florida. He's talked about in the Northeast. Everyone knows who this kid is because he's taken the game by storm. And it's, it's really cool to see somebody have that kind of impact on the game. And that those are the kinds of players who you want to have out there. I mean, Desclafani even said, man, it, it, I hope he's okay because the game needs him. Right. 
And that that's just really cool to see and hear other players talking about a guy like that. Yeah, and he's a player that, uh, you know, if he's gone for an extended period of time, that really changes uh, the outlook of the NL West. I mean, and and you can't say that for a lot of players, but Tatis Jr., uh, I mean, we're talking NL West, that's small picture. It, that affects the, the NL as a whole, uh, baseball as a whole. So, I mean, baseball is much better with Fernando Tatis uh, in there. Um, so hopefully he gets oh. back as soon as as soon as possible because I, I well, love to watch Vegas, him play. I mean, Vegas dropped their the they had the Padres at ninety seven wins they, after the Tatis injury they dropped their projected to ninety two and a half wins. <laughs> that's that's how that's how much people wow. look at this guy and go and you know Vegas they don't bet on what they think actually going to happen they think they bet on well where's the money going to go right but that's what they think the perception of this one player is it's going to be a four and a half win difference just because of, of one guy and that's the perception and I very well very well will be the reality as well yeah it's going to be really interesting to follow that real quick just just to leave you on a on a high note I mean talking about all Thank this uh, <laughs> yeah, talking about all Tatis Jr all this podcast it's a big story it's a big story but um you, you guys have the the pitching rotation depth and uh, what's going on with Mackenzie Gore Where, where's he when's he going to pop up well he, he didn't earn it in spring training He's having some command issues. And this, this is the thing that, that is so infuriating about Mackenzie Gore is you look at the stuff, and the stuff is obscene. Like it's every bit as good as people say it is. He's got a four-pitch mix. The fastball plays at 95 with some late ride up of the zone. He's got a curveball that's really good. The slider is developing. Changeup might be the next best pitch. And he throws them all from the same tunnel, all with the same arm speed. Like, it's there. The stuff is there. And then he goes into these fits and doubts of, He's missing with his location. And not, the problem is he's not just missing going outside the strike zone. He's missing in the strike zone. So he's instead of putting it on, on one of the corners, he's missing three inches in. And if you throw 95, 96, but it's right down the middle, I don't care who you're facing, it's going to get hit hard. So his location is suffering a little bit. They're working on a couple things mechanically. So he should be up at any given point. The guy who was going to be up quicker, though, and this is the one that's going to make the biggest difference, is Denelson Lamette. Finished fourth in the Cy Young balloting last year, 204 ERA, best in Padres history for a single season. The devastating slider. He had that biceps injury. Actually, actually had to walk off the field in San Francisco last year and hasn't pitched in a, on a big league now since. And losing him for the playoffs and Mike Clevenger was was just devastating for that club, especially against the Dodgers in the NLDS. He's expected to be back in early to mid May. When they get that cat back, now the rotation is scary. So any team with that kind of elite pitching, even if they do lose someone like a Tatis for an extended time, if you've got that kind of rotation, that kind of pitching, you're going to be okay for for at least a little while. And also keep in mind, they don't have starting catcher Austin Nola, who suffered a fractured middle finger on a foul tip catching in spring training. And they haven't had Trent Grisham yet, the gold glove center fielder. He's back off the injured list tonight in Texas. So they're missing two starters, and they're still playing – good enough baseball to hang, say, a game behind the Dodgers after the first week. So this team has got a lot of depth and a lot of ways to overcome an injury, even if it is to somebody like Tatis, at least for a couple of weeks to a month. Yeah, the, the the Padres definitely have that depth. And pitching, I mean, we've seen it up here in San Francisco. Pitching can, can get you all the way. I know it's a different game now than what it was in 2010 and, and, and uh, those even years, right? But uh, pitching still, I'm still in the belief that pitching will – will ride you uh, to the to the championship, to the World Series, and they, you guys have a really, really good um, starting rotation there. How are you liking you, Darvish, before we get out? Oh, you was great. 
he was awesome. That, he's he's a funny cat too. Yeah. He's very he's, he's very just kind of like the like the straight man in a comedy duo, straight face, and you really have to listen to what he's saying. But man, he is hilarious. He's uh, and he's been great in that clubhouse too. Uh, Joe Musgrove, a local kid, they also got the trade with the Pirates in the offseason. Who, by the way, through six shutout innings in his first Padres start, and he's now gone 22 consecutive scoreless innings, completely under the radar for anybody paying attention because he was in Pittsburgh last year, and now he's made one start for the Padres. But Joe's a big coffee guy, so Darvish got him some cleats with a bunch of coffee beans stitched on it. He just, you, you, he just, he's such a likable guy in that clubhouse, and just, just that's the kind of dude who everybody loves. And then you look at, he throws 11 different pitches that we know about. And I need to know how Victor Caratini came up with signs for all of them because there's a finite number of body parts you can touch to give a dude a sign. So the system they have worked out, it's it, it's fascinating. And when he's got it working like he did against the Giants uh, on Tuesday night, it's he's he's a Cy Young caliber guy every time he takes the mound. So he's been awesome. Blake Snell has been fantastic, every bit as good as we thought. He's worked a little deeper in the games, but I mean he's striking out guys. I think it's like eleven for nine innings right now, which is a little bit better than his career average. So they, they've got so, so many arms. And the bullpen leads the majors with a .91 ERA right now. A lot of one-inning type guys. But, man, if you get to the point where you get the starter through six, and now you've got Kella and Pomerantz and Melanson and Pagan, you, you've got some shut-down, lockdown arms coming out of that bullpen on any given night. It's going to be very difficult for teams to come back on the pod race if they can get a lead early, which they have been done a couple, have done a couple times. But man, that offense needs to kind of click. That's the other problem is they don't have they don't have as many bats clicking at the same time as they need to right now. But they're going to Texas, and remember, last year was in Texas the Slam Diego was born, and they turned their whole season around. So maybe they can recreate that where they uh, where they started their year last year. There you go. Keep the optimism high, Derek, and uh, hopefully, you know, we get some uh, some clarity on Tatis moving forward. But keep keep your head up, man. Keep your head up. Don't be uh, too depressed about it. It's one sixty two. It's not a sixty game season. You got a lot of time to uh, to recoup, man. So uh, enjoy the season. It's gonna be fun, and hopefully, we'll talk to you down the line and see what's going on with the Padres. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Anytime you need us, give me a call. And again, that was Derek Togerson of NBC San Diego. Go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter at DerekNBCSD to get all of your Padres news. Go ahead and check him out. And also, uh, check out the podcast. Check out On Fryer Podcast on Spotify and multiple platforms. Go ahead and check that out as well. You get all of your content on the Padres from the fan perspective, but also the reporter's perspective as well. They're going to keep you up to date on everything going on with Fernando Tatis Jr. You're going to hear it there first. It's going to be uh, a very interesting couple of weeks to see what happens with Fernando Tatis Jr. Go out there and support Derek Togerson. Get him through this tough time because it is a tough one. Giants fans remember, as I mentioned earlier, we remember how it was when we lost Buster Posey for the season after winning the World Series. It was not a good feeling. It was a gut punch, and uh, it did not feel good. So go ahead and give some support to Derek. Get them through this time, everyone in San Diego. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hope you guys are ready for another exciting weekend of baseball heading into the weekend. We got a lot of great baseball underway. You guys get ready for it, and next week, We have a special lineup of guests for you, but you're going to have to stay tuned to find out 
who they are. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media you got at Walleasy. And then obviously on Twitter or on Facebook, rather, it's just my name, Wally Icabalceta. You guys can look me up there to keep up to date as to who's going to be coming on the podcast. And I guarantee it. You're not going to want to miss it. So I hope you guys enjoy baseball, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the sun, and I'll talk to you next time. Be safe, stay healthy, talk to you then.